Big Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode 129 for Monday, August 28th, 2017. <music> Greetings, folks. And welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast by, for, and about working musicians here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Los Gatos, California, it's Paul Kent. How you doing, Mr. Kent? I'm doing pretty good, Dave. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Fun, fun weekend. Uh, had a good gig. Weather has been stellar. It feels like fall has arrived a little early, although I'm sure we'll go back to, you know, the 95 degree weather for a little bit. But we had like a weekend of of 70s during the day and and, you know, down into the 50s at night, which is perfect for an outdoor gig. If by, yeah, by my, for me, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we just hit another heat wave. We're back up in the hundreds now, so the outdoor gigs are are a little brutal. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I played. I played um, Saturday night. Played with Uptown Celebration, the the kind of party function band that I joined, and it was we were actually playing for a wedding, but it was at this place outside. It's a restaurant. They call it Lobster in the Rough, and it sounds it, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's just like uh. a a lobster shack on a big plot of land. There's a bar there. There's a stage there, but there's also like picnic tables and bocce courts and stuff. Basically you walk into this place and it's, it's like a free for all. It's just, you know, like, like Woodstock um, revisited, you know, and, uh, and they have a nice barn where they held the reception for the wedding and stuff. But, um, but we got there and found out, we actually sort of sussed this out earlier in the day too. We found out that they had, you know, it was open to the public, uh, in addition to being, you know, the 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 uh, the wedding party and the band and everything, so it was kind of interesting seeing everybody sort of mixed together. But it's uh, cool. Yeah, it was cool. And it, like I said, the weather was great. It was nice playing outdoors. We didn't have to worry about volume or anything. You know, sound was was easy and great. And uh, but it was interesting. We had to start. We we were supposed to start at like I think we were contracted to play seven to ten or whatever. And we got there, and the the manager came up. He says. All right. So I didn't book you guys. I know they did. He's like, but we kind of need music at six. <laughs> We're like, okay, that's fine. Uh, you know, the wedding party wasn't even there yet. I guess they were just getting there at six. We're like, okay, but that's fine. But they're feeding us at six 30. So we're going to stop and eat. Cause when we get a, we got to play again at seven and the, the owner or the manager was really cool about it. He's like, no problem. He's like, I, I appreciate you guys being flexible. He gave us a bunch of drink tickets or whatever. And you know, he made good with us. And so we're like, all right, what are we going to start with? We don't want to burn any of the songs. Right. That the, right. You know, so it's like, okay, we've had a couple of songs sort of in the fringes. And uh, so the first song we played was Born on the Bayou, which was perfect for this kind of place. Like if we were the uh. band hired to play at that place, like that's what it should be. And I'll tell you, man, this place was over in Maine. And my theory was proven true again. We started that tune at 6 p.m., and within, you know, the first four bars, there were maybe, you know, like 10 or 12 people up on the dance floor. A hundred percent of them were guys. And it, it wasn't like a there was nothing weird about it. Uh, not that, you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, this, uh-huh. It was just they were all really high is what it was. And they just wanted to move. And you will never see 12 guys alone fill it like, like be on the dance floor together in a bar where, where, you know, people aren't getting high. So uh, not that they're supposed to be there, but you know, it's an outdoor place and I think people kind of duck off and and do their thing. But uh, yeah. So there you go. 
That's it again. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So um, we closed the main part of this concert series. I run in my town oh, yesterday yeah. and I've been kind of reporting on, you know, the, the great bands that we've had down. And, uh, there's one more show, which is like the closing night show, which is next Saturday, which my band plays. And, um, so that's, that's a, it's in a different venue, a different park. Um, it's, it's promoted a little differently, but, um, the main part of the, of the 10 week run that's been at our civic center, uh, ended yesterday and there was a great, great band. I would probably, probably the top corporate band in the San Francisco Bay area band called pop rocks. Okay. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they're great. I mean, they just, engage the crowd and you walk away from the show really feeling something. It's an interesting band and I'm sitting there, you know, and it's hard, it's hard to watch another band kill sometimes. Right. Uh, yeah. You know yeah, what of I course. mean? Sure. Yeah. The, know, the, the competitive part of you. Yeah, absolutely. You start mapping it to you. you. And so I had a, a bunch of thoughts today about that band. And the first thing about that band, it had me thinking about our show. And I find that I often guide our conversations uh, from my perspective about about being a cover band that that wants to work often and make good money and um, it dawns on me that that may be a fair amount of of our of our audience, but certainly not all. We have like the semi pros. We have a couple traveling pros, you know, that listen, we have, you know, purely weekend warriors that, that are happy to play once or twice a month. So the first thing I wanted to do was kind of, you know, recalibrate our, our thinking on this is that, you know, my perspective is one perspective for one type of band. Uh, I play in a band that has been around for a while. We're pretty much in that, in the top echelon of bands in this area. Um, cause we've been around a while. We do a good job, but certainly I'm watching this band. This band makes more money than my band. I okay. mean, they, they work more, sure. they charge more, they get more. And so it just, you know, it had me going through, you know, a bunch of mental exercises, you know, about what this all means to me, because I'm certainly uh, going through some discussions with my band. So two things I want to talk about today is that lessons from those bands that, that I've seen, you know, really the best of the best bands that have come through our series. Uh, and the second thing is, um, as a band leader, channeling and, and re recognizing that I have to kind of throttle that competitiveness I feel because I immediately go home and write an email to my band and say, here's what I learned. <laughs> yeah. Of you course. know, here's some things, right? right. And, and in my band of 10 guys, you know, there's some guys who are like, you're the leader, whatever you say. There's some guys who have a different opinion. There's some guys who hear different opinions and immediately start calibrating the, what it's going to mean to them, the strife in their life as the different opinions start getting worked through. You, sure. you don't yeah, say of course. That? Yeah, you, you're right. You apply it and you're like, oh, wait, this is awful. I need to I need to resist. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Or, or they're like, all right, you know, we get we've been here before. We've, I've been in the band meetings. They generally devolve into, you know, creative differences. Hmm. Uh, and and I, and that led me to thinking about what what is the quote you shared from the Eagles movie by Timothy B. Schmidt? Every band is on the verge of breaking up at all times. Right. And so that was in my mind. So so, so if you follow me, there's like, I do. oh, yeah. I'm competitive. Uh, I want us to make as much money as we can. That's my view. That, of the, that's you know, my your. Question. Yeah. You know, we we uh, on another podcast I do called The Small Business Show at businessshow.co. Uh, <laughs> we 
always talk about, you know, your personal success metrics. And obviously for a business and a band is a business, especially, you know, it's to, to greater and lesser degrees, right? Depending on how you organize your band. But, you know, obviously for a business, cash and and eventually profits are your, you know, are, are a success metric. But they aren't necessarily the most important one to you, right? It might be, look, I started a business so that I could, you know, hit my minimum financial numbers, but then also have flexibility and freedom throughout my life. You know, right. I mean, there's different things that can be success metrics for you. That's true. And, and this totally the same thing is true of each of the people in your band, not just your band as a whole, but each person could have a different success metric that they're looking to hit. Yeah. Cool. So follow me on this. So you take that arc of, you know, competitive and what I think the band should be and then, you know, channeling it down to, you know, a band discussion and then a band discussion, maybe having a couple different arms and legs. And then so the, the reason that Timothy B. Schmidt quote is interesting to me is because that's true. Oh, yeah. However, however. You can take your finger off the nuclear button as well. You know, you don't always it doesn't have to be that way, you know, because starting over again can be really frustrating, right? It can be yeah. time consuming, risky, a lot of things if you have a good thing. And I'll give you, you know, the opposite quote to that is uh, little Steven has a quote that says, if you have a band that works, do everything that you can to protect it because it's such a rare thing. It, it's the same. It, it's the other side of the Timothy right. B. Schmidt coin. That's correct. Right. Yeah. So let me start with uh, just a reflection on what made these bands successful, why they're making some money. And we, we talk about this in different ways over yeah, totally. 129 conversations. So I actually, um, RCP, repertoire, chops, and performance. So what made these bands, in my mind, my interpretation, my, my, my distilling of why these bands get the money that they get and get the work that they get. Again, if that's what your goal is, this will be useful to you. If your goal is to express yourself and you know play music that is particularly meaningful to you in a cover band situation, you know, you, you know, you're you're creating a different type of opportunity to express and get in fulfillment and enjoyment, which is totally cool. This conversation is more about you know what I am distilling down to be a successful formula for a band that wants to make money and work. So sure. RCP repertoire uh two hours of pretty much everybody in the audience knew every song and they sure. sang along yeah and they had a good time and you know personally i'll add an aside the artistry can come from doing interesting things to those songs these songs are so good sure we talked about that last week right yeah yeah, yeah I mean, exactly yep. you find your way to put your personal stamp on them you know, people have done horrible things to Honky Tonk Woman for years, right? Right. It's, it, it, but it still pretty much goes over wherever you do it. You don't have to do horrible things. You can do great things. Yeah. Um, you know, there's signature licks, and, we, you know, we've talked about that. Yeah. Right. In essence, there is room for creating, you know, those songs that become so ingrained in people's hearts and minds. Uh, as long as you get the important parts right, you probably can find some artistic expression sure. within, within that framework, within that box, which is an opportunity I think is important. So repertoire, you know, songs that people want, right. songs that the mass of people want. Yep. You know, I, I'm having a conversation with another musician. He's like, oh, you know, we played the song and a person came up to me and said, I hadn't heard that song in a long time. You know, I, that you really brought that back for me. 
that's why I do this. And I was like, you know, if you reached one person and you didn't reach a hundred people or a thousand people, is that, you know, one person doesn't, isn't a great, you know, demographic. It's not your, it's not your success metric. It might be somebody else's truth. I got to keep reminding myself that. And, And there's nothing wrong with that. As long as really it's, being honest with yourself. And and sometimes it takes a little reflection. Like you might not, you might be hearing this and say, I don't, what is my, like, I haven't written it down. I don't know what that is. And it is worth taking a minute and just saying, okay, what, why do I do this? Like, what are the important things to me? Ah, okay. Got it. And then it's sort of easier to, to make some of those decisions. Like, should you do this funny thing and make honky tonk woman into a, a reggae tune in three, four time? Like, you know, probably not if if some if he wants what you want, but if not, then maybe that's perfect. You know, who knows? Yeah, yeah. and I appreciate you bringing it up that way. Yeah. I, I'm giving my distillation yeah. of a successful formula for cover bands that want to work and get yeah. paid. Yeah. All right, so that that we're we're going there. So repertoire. Yeah. Uh, and again, these bands covered genres. They did great with current music. They brought out the right classic rock music. Um, they had the go-to, you know, funk and soul stuff. Sure. And uh, but songs you know by heart would be the common, the common theme for these types of things. So repertoire. So that's the R. C is for chops. You got to be able to play. So doesn't need much just drilling down on. You got to be able to play. I mean, yeah, if, if, I, if you're I sloppy, I, go ahead. Finish what you're saying, and then I've got something to say. Go ahead. If you're sloppy, if you're. Um, uh, you know, if you're out of tune, if you're, you know, if you don't play together, if there's no space, if it's, there's, you know, all the things that go with chops, you know, you have to be able to play again. If you want to, if you want to command top dollar, if you want to have fun and you're with other guys who are cool with having fun. And this is relative to our conversation last week about making mistakes. You know, what is your expectation as a band? You know, do you have tolerance for the guy who's the least, the least talented in your group is he at least playing in his box and not getting in the way of other people doing their thing. That would be another way, you know, chops. That's it. Yeah, chops, you, you don't have to be a, a virtuoso in order correct. to express chops. No. In fact, most of the songs that fit into, you know, the repertoire part of this, most of them, not certainly not all of them. And there are some songs that everybody knows that, you know, require serious chops to play, but you can fill up many hours of stage time with songs that everybody knows that are going to make everybody happy. And you don't need to be a virtuoso. You need to know the songs. You need to not make mistakes. You need to play tight. Like all the rest of the stuff that you said there is totally, I totally am on board with, but you can, you can get away with having an entire band full of people that like are, you know, just adequate musicians as opposed to, you know, the best musicians, uh, a lot of this music is not brain surgery. Correct. So you can actually, as long as you stay in your box and again, play in two your is, box. is a basic, yeah. know your box. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so chops would be the next part of it. And then, and I'm not even ranking these as, as which is more important than the other. I'm just saying the the combination of these three elements, repertoire chops and performance, RCP, P is for performance is the other thing. Does your band dress? Does your, does your set flow? Do your songs flow into each other? Um, Is your band entertaining on stage? Is your rap with your audience, uh, you know, engaging? Uh, Is your sound together? Is your, are your lights together? All these things together are, you know, definitions, uh, you know, subparts of the concept of performance that taken together 
you know, give a professional shine that, you know, expresses that you're worth the money that you're charging that are important. Again, repertoire chops performance. I'm not saying, I'm not saying one's more important than the other. I think you need all three and they're certainly not independent of each other, but that to me, you know, this band yesterday, again, great band, you know, they're getting 7,500 to 10,000 for a wedding. I believe that's a lot of money. That's good money. Yeah. So I, I do have, I think you're 75% of the way there with your Uh, RCP uh, formula. And I, and I, there's, there's it's RCPM and that's marketing. Without question, you know, I was leaving fling rehearsal the other night and we were chit chatting and I, I mentioned something that happened at a recent, you know, uptown celebration gig or whatever. And, and one of the guys asked me, he said, are they really that much better than us or do they just market themselves better? I said, oh no, they're not better than us. like flings a better band than, than uptown. It, there's, it would have to be right. I mean, we've had the same lineup together for a decade. Uh, it, you know, uptown is there's still some shaky spots and and things aren't perfect and the harmonies aren't perfect yet and you know all of that stuff. I said the band is functional and it plays and everybody gets along and like all of that stuff is fine. Uh, there the the repertoire for uptown celebration is far more geared toward the formula you're talking about than flings. Although fling can can certainly fit into that box. Uh, we have enough, we have a, we have a huge repertoire in Flink, so we can, you know, we can tailor things for that. Um, but, but, you know, on stage at the moment, Fling is uh, a, a better band, but we don't put effort into marketing ourselves and selling ourselves the way Gary puts effort into marketing and selling Uptown Celebration. And, yeah. and, and that's a huge difference. And, and it's interesting because um, I, th- I think I mentioned it early on uh, when I joined the band, he just opened a new restaurant and he's going to open another one. He's doing well with his restaurant. Nice. And I'm not, well, nice for him. I'm not convinced that he will have time to continue to sell and market and manage this band the way that he has. Uh, and so it wouldn't surprise me if this band fizzles out in a year. Interesting. Yeah, because it takes that. I mean, you have to have somebody that's just bulldogging those things and all over it. And, you know, especially for like the the parties and the weddings and that kind of thing, it takes a lot of interaction, a lot of work. Uh, yeah. And, and you've got to believe, and he, Gary is like the, the consummate salesperson, right? I mean, he's just brilliant at it, uh, almost to a fault. But, you know, that's what gets us the money for the gigs. Yes, we can deliver the product, but... The the price has been agreed upon before they get the product, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so that marketing thing, if you want the money, you've got to have somebody or some buddies. I mean, it, it, you know, there's many ways of doing it that can really go out there and believe in that, you know, five to seven to ten thousand dollar price tag and and know that the, the band's going to bring it. But convince the person writing the check that the band's going to bring it because they're going to write that check long before the band ever plays. Yeah. 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 So I think it's RCPM. I don't know. That's I, I would, well, you know, marketing is interesting. Um, it's, it's, do you believe that your product is a certain thing? So, so this band I saw yesterday, again, I'm, I'm going to refer to them because they're kind of a, a level of, of, uh, success that is a good thing to shoot for. I think sure. at least in, you know in, in the circles that I'm trying to get to. Right? Yeah, of course. So, of course. so you know, great pictures. Um, 
enough money is on the table with this band that, you know, management gets involved. So you've got a guy yep. who, uh, you know, because, you know, again, we were talking about those types of price tags. It's worth it for some guy to have a business to hawk down corporate work for that. Right. Correct. Because yes. everybody's going to get paid, right? And that's that's often that's the hard thing about marketing. There's certainly things that everybody can do, and we've talked about. You know, do you do you have a draw? Your draw is good. Your draw isn't going to get your corporate gigs because they don't care about that. Your no, draw is they good. They don't for care about it, right? Festival concerts, you know, club dates, but your marketing, and, and we've also talked quite a bit about having your act together. Do you have your corporate video? Probably the most important thing. Do you have your website? Do you have your cards? Do you have your promo photo? Do you have a bio? Right. These things will separate you from a from a large number of the bands you're probably comp- competing with, um, uh, and are are extremely important. I would agree with you that marketing is is really it, it is a fourth component of it. The diligence of it and a plan against your goals. Are you going to go knock on the doors of all the big companies in the area? Yep. Are you going to you know? Because that's a different thing than your your club date. You know, your club date gets you exposure, and I guess you could you could kind of turn that angle a little bit. And your club dates are are in a sense you're always marketing. Everything you do is a is a demo of of you don't know ever know who's in the audience, right? Yeah. But I would agree with you that the ability to professionally approach organizations separates a lot of bands. You know, a the willingness to do it, b the finesse in doing it you know, are, are two different skill sets that need to be considered in the whole thing. So now let me ju- just draw a little bit of an arc here. So RCPM, I'm, I'm good with that. So now I take that and I bring it to my group. And the discussion of my group is like, guys, I really want to have us working, you know, more. And, and I, I think we've done so many good things. We're in a good place. We always talk about every year, taking it to the next level. So here's, here's what we learned. And this leads to a discussion. And I, 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 I'm able to get far enough away from the discussion to understand when you have a discussion with your brand, with your band, almost by definition, you're opening up a Pandora's box to, to creative communicate. Anytime you even suggest that change could happen, if yeah. inference is there, certainly if change is actually happening, it, right. The whole thing. And, uh, you know, and I, and we've talked about that, I've been I've been very careful to not be the agent of change in Uptown, right? Well, I mean, remember, I'm a leader, and you're a, you're a side man. There's two different perspectives totally. to it, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and, I, and that's obviously I know you know, this, but I'm not encouraging either or encouraging either role. I'm just saying, you know, we've talked about strong leadership. What is the vibe of your band? What you know? How, how do you communicate within your band? And uh, this conversation in my band is leading to, well, you know, we don't want to be like other bands or yes, we do want to be like other bands or, you know, what does that mean to be like other bands? Cause I'll tell you, <laughs> sure, you know, yeah, right. We're fooling ourselves. Half of our repertoire. I've heard 10 weeks in a row, you know, by the other bands that are playing this stuff. I've heard uptown funk 10, 10 weeks in a row. You know, I've heard a lot of stuff 10 <laughs> weeks in a row. <laughs> so, so not, the money not to mention that you've been playing it in your own band too. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is yeah. like, you know, I don't want to be like other bands. You know, let's not fool ourselves. We largely, you know, bands that are working are playing certain material that work. That yep. doesn't mean that there's not room for for the other 50 percent of your show. But, you know, let's be a little bit careful about, you know, terminally unique. You, you know, yeah. if you're working in this town, at least there's certain music that's definitely going to get you that you got to play, you know, 
it, yeah. it may change over time, but you know, the, the, I've heard September by Meredith Wind and Fire ten weeks in a row, that type of uh, thing. So, yeah. Play, so we played um, both of those songs Saturday night. Of, co- of course, see, that's I what I'm saying. I didn't need to tell you that you already knew, right? They work, Be- you know? of course. Yeah, and the audiences don't get tired of hearing them every week, and so you know, you got to evaluate what that means. But certainly, this is leading to uh, you know me sending this guys. I'm on fire here. My competitive impulses are tingling. I want to express this. You know, I, here's where I think we should go. And so now 10 piece band, again, some guys are like, you know, just book the gigs and pay me and I'm fine. Some guys are like, well, wait, I have a, you know, I have a a creative stake in this band and I, you know, I'm going to use this opportunity to express it. Some guys are like, oh, I I see this coming every time we talk, you know, here's where it goes. Some guys feel strongly, some guys feel less strongly, you know, it's just, there's a range of it and, you know, how to handle that. And this led me to thinking about, it's almost like politics, you, you know, the physical reaction to a creative, creative differences is often to explore the nuclear option. Oh, and, uh, it, yes, it is the it is certainly the easiest one uh, I, in the short term. It's the yep. easiest one to employ. Yes. So th- that got me thinking, you know, take your finger off the nuclear button, take away the nuclear option. Yeah, because the other thing is, you know, that fantasy band where everybody likes exactly the same thing or that fantasy band where at least at the semi pro status, again, at the pro status where there's a leader. And if you don't follow, you're fired. But in the semi pro status, here's where I get stuck. It's like it's like um, the the hassle of starting over again, you know, with a new band member um, weighed against the weight against the insistence of making my vision be the other guy's vision. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think I can play that card and pull that card, but it'll have ramifications, at least in my style. I talked about my buddy, Frank, who, who, you know, ran a a band for 48 years. It just, it just recently retired. Um, He was, he was much more, heavy handed about it, much more specific about it. Like, like we need a leader and you guys are going to benefit from a strong leader because we're not going to have these conversations. And I believe that those were largely off the table. And that's a, that's a management style. I mean, my my way or the highway, but I'll be nice about it. Yeah. Yeah. Benevolent dictatorship. Benevolent dictator. Yeah. And this is all, you know, the, the, the cue to the leaders listening here is, you know, it's all about effectively communicating your expectations and your style and sticking to it is the other thing, you know, in my mind, I changed my style a while ago and adapted a more, uh, you know, everybody, you know, I want to hear how you feel about this. And then once you kind of like give one guy's opinion, more weight or another guy's opinion, more weight, then sooner or later, the third guy's going to go, well, when does my opinion get more weight? And you have to deal with that, you know, on an ongoing basis. But my point is, Take your finger off the nuclear button and understand that, you know, that magic band. Now, you may not be able to do this. There may be a point of no return where you're like, you just can't deal with it anymore. But I think that one of the ways bands stay together is, you know, part of being a leader is being willing to take a back seat sometimes. Um, Understanding where your lines are. Like you said, what are your goals? There's also where your lines. Um, You know, what's what's good for the band, right? I have... Half my band makes their money uh, from gigs or makes part of their living from gigs. 
half my band. Right. Right. Yeah, that right. And, that, and that's a responsibility. Uh-oh. Did I lose you? No, not oh, here. Yeah. Okay, good. Coughing one sec. Oh, no problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is it, like as a leader, that's, you know, you're now running a business that is responsible for either those people or those people and their families. Like yep. that's a, that's a big deal. It's tough for the other four people in your band because, yep. do, because their action, everyone's actions in the band impact everyone else. Right. And my point to all this is uh, your instinct, or at least my instinct yep. is to consider blowing things up every once in a while. Sure. And, and you have to talk yourself off the ledge because if you have something that's worth fighting for, you fight for it. And you yeah. got to also understand that hurt feelings, you know, sometimes knows no. And, you know, hurt feelings, um, you know, unfortunately that that's going to happen from time. It happens all the time. Um, you know, I think my general, my general approach is to kind of try and please people in my band, you know, make them feel engaged and that type of thing at the expense of what I want sometimes. And then I get a little bit resentment and then I have to kind of like overreact to that or I don't have to, but I, I tend to, and it's just kind of like understanding the playing field, you know, that you're dealing with in these types of things. So, so, you know, what kind of a leader are you? How well have you communicated that? So you're not just, you know, coming off as like a ranting guy is changing strategy every, every three weeks when he sees another band, you know, these are the types of things that I think about a lot in terms of how to communicate successfully, get what I want and feel, you know, satisfied, be fair and be a, you know, a decent guy leading a band. Cause sure. I, you know, I get the benefit of guys who like playing in this band and, you know, have emotionally bought in, but you know, everybody doesn't get everything that they want all the time. Uh, bands are an exercise in compromise. Oh, it it's, I feel like it's the biggest outward collaboration that I've ever experienced. Yeah. 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 So. Cause you're relying anyways. on each other. I mean, you have like, uh, unless you've got, you know, four people playing every instrument and you've got an orchestra instead of a band, yeah. uh, you have to rely on each other. Like, well, the other, the other aspect of this is like this band that I saw yesterday, these are pros and there's a lot of money on the table. And I'm sure the guy who owns or, you know, owns or operates the band, if it's not working out, you'll replace the guy because there's enough money that you can go higher, you yeah. know, from a pretty decent pool. You're not getting necessarily love, but again, the, the remember pros are pros on stage as well. They're not only pros and chops. They show up and give a good performance and, you know, that type of thing. If that's, you know, if that's what you set the requirements of. Sure, of course. Uh, so it is a little bit of a different, uh, a little bit of a thing. You know, I, I would consider our band semi-pro. Yep. Yeah. Pro right. bands. There's yeah. a lot, you know, people are drawing their, their primary income from this. There's different, there's different moving levers as to, you know, what it takes to stay in a band like that. And again, I would, you know, that's, that's the other thing, you know, putting food on your, on your family's table, there will be musicians that will cut off their nose to spite their face at, at a need to feel that their creativity is being heard and allowed to be expressed. That's one type of professional musician, but there's certainly other types of professional musicians who are like, show me where to play, where to plug in and I'll yeah. do what you say. And then you pay me. And that's the basis of our relationship yeah. and understanding the difference between the two and setting the parameters for when you're going to work with the difference between the two is also a, you know, an important thing. You might get something special out of the guy who goes to all lengths to defend his, his creativity. You might, there might be something there. there. Might, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because what, what can happen when you've got 
a, a stage full of hired guns is only the the most like the very most professional of those are going to not only get on stage and play their parts just like they're supposed to, but act like you're yep. all a friendly family on stage. Right. I mean, that and pop rocks did that pop rocks. Okay. You know, the, the girl there's there was uh, you know, two just singers. The girl was like a finalist on American idol. And you know, that, that level of like crazy great chops. Sure. Yeah. And, but they look like a band to me. I mean, yeah, that's were, the thing is you got to be able to sell that. And, and especially if you're, you know, the newest person in the band or, or a sub, like no one should know that you're a sub. It, it right. should look like you're a family and you're having fun on stage. And that's just how it goes. Yeah, that's it. You know, that's not easy. I mean, I say it. It's easy to say. It's really it's hard, really hard, because you're probably sweating through, you know, making sure you got all the parts right. And you got to look relaxed and like, hey, I'm happy to be on stage with everybody here again, even if it's the first time. That's right. Yep. Yep. Makes it fun, though. <laughs> It makes it interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. So anyway, it's been 10 weeks of real good learning. I mean, you know, like I said, I can say pretty confidently, these have been 10 of the best run, long running, professionally run, great chops, um, great marketing, uh, you know, bands that deliver the goods. In my mind, it's interesting to watch how they kind of rank amongst themselves and where my band ranks amongst them is, a, is another interesting thing. I learned a lot. It turns into a conversation of band management, which is also its own kind of unique and interesting thing. You know, I think this, that the formula that we put out, RCPM, that it, that's a gold formula, right? If you embrace for, for, that and really that, die. If that's your that. goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's the formula. There, there is. The, I don't I mean, I guess there's another one, but it, like this is the this is the the most explicitly uh, shortest path. This, I think so. Yeah. 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 Now, so here's it, my question for you, though. So you've done this 10 week concert series. It sounds like you basically had the same songs uh, on stage week after week with different takes on them. Uh, attendance good. Like is the town, the, the people that are, you know, effectively uh, paying the bill. Are, are they like, would you do the same thing next year? Or and, and perhaps a better way to ask that question. Would they want you to do the same type of thing next year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the yeah, attendance okay. has been great. I mean, people really love this concert series. It got voted in the local paper as, you know, the top concert series in the area. And, and uh, you know, people really like it. There's some subtleties in there about styles of music uh, that people had more of a preference towards. Sure. But in general, you know, we're, we're pulling from a pool of great. We're not we're not hoping that some band will have a good good day or, yeah. you know, there's there's not a lot of mystery in this and that, you know, you're going with, with pretty much tried and true uh, performers. And some, like I said, now it's like an all-star team. And even within that all-star team, you're starting to see a pecking order within that all-star team, right? So, so there's been some bands that are very well known, but having seen them up, up against other bands, you know, I would say personally, I see where they're strong, where they're weak. There have been bands that um, several of the bands, because this is a big gig and a big profile gig, added a horn section uh, to just, bring down that. Just for the gig, sure. Which yeah. is really interesting to me, and I'll tell you why. So again, I have a horn band. We pick music based upon horn parts right. largely, or we add thoughtful horn parts to our existing material. Um, there have been bands that have added a horn section, and it's it's another funny thing to me because like on their promo pages, they'll be like, 
you know, there's one price if you want the core six piece, seven piece band, but we also can bring in a horn section. And they really look at it as, as an add on thing that they charge more for if you want a horn section. And what I've seen is some of the bands, it's really not implemented very well. The horn parts are just not that interesting. The horns don't add anything. The horn players weren't that great. Uh, so that would be one thing. And then there's others that have had, you know, a little bit better than that, but none of them are horn bands, right? So, right, you know, right, adding right. a horn chart to, you know, shook me all night long, you know, relatively exciting, I guess, unless it's a, you know, that's a great song. Yeah, you're right. It unless, didn't, it unless didn't need one originally. Yeah. Yeah. So unless you're going to add horns that do something really powerful and, and spectacular, why do it? Um, again, And then, then to me, it's interesting, the decision making about that. So, again, these bands are all we're all competing for corporate money. And this is a this is a tact and a strategy. My band. No, this is fascinating to me. I mean, it's clear that in that area, and I don't just mean your town, but I mean, like the, the, the area that you play in, that this is a thing, right? Like this type of band that plays these types of songs is is a thing that people want at their like playing outdoors in their town once a week. Um, and I, I, I contrast that with when I was growing up in Southern Connecticut, there was, uh, a, a place in, in Westport, just one of the towns there, it's a place called the Levitt Pavilion. I don't even know if it still exists. And they would have every, I think it was every Saturday night. In fact, it, yeah, it definitely was. Uh, they would have a band play and the place would be packed every Saturday and every single one of these bands, except maybe one, like there would be one cover band a summer and the rest was all original music. I, and some of it was a lot of it was just local original bands. And uh, and then they would bring in maybe a headliner kind of thing where it would be like an Arlo Guthrie or, you know, somebody somebody like that, that that they could, you know, put in there. And that would be sort of the the, the headliner of the summer, if you will. But um but it was just, you know, every week was a different original band. And certainly, you know, they'd play some covers here or there, but it, and it was just packed every single week. And that, that's what this town liked. They, they yeah. just liked a different thing, well, so, you know, it's funny. which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, similarly, our scenes are different. And it's funny to me, like San Francisco as a music scene. Yeah. The big corporate bands all have some kind of gimmick or shtick to them. It's not that they're just the best band. I told you there's this one band, Mustache Harbor, where all the guys mm. wear yacht caps right, yacht and, rock. and yeah. fake mustaches and they play soft rock. That's their thing. Pop rocks yesterday, again, they all wear glitter sequin suits and, you know, and, you know, that's their thing. Real high energy. But the, you know, the dress part of it is, is you know, very showy. Other a band called the Cheese Balls, you know, that, you know, again, change costumes and that type of stuff. Um, it, it's interesting to me that that's what works in our market. I don't think that that's everywhere. I think no, it's no. it's just it's different. Yeah, and I I just wanted to acknowledge that for people that you know wherever you are, like you got to learn your scene and and figure out what works there. And I I have no doubt that that like the the fact that original music was so prioritized in in the scene where I was growing up. That that I mean, it, like it wasn't everybody had a band that was doing originals. It was yeah. just that's how it was. And there's a lot of that here in New Hampshire too, Portsmouth especially. Uh, there's not a lot of clubs that have cover bands. It's a interesting, it, yeah, yeah. It's just a, it's it, and it's just a different you know different demographic or 
priorities of the, maybe the same demographic. I don't know. I'd love for listeners to kind of share what their scene is like. Is there a vibrant cover scene? Yeah. Is there a vibrant original scene? You know, is, is the expectation that you can do both? You know, it, right. it, that's interesting because like I said, San Jose, you know, my general area has got an okay bar scene, great thriving festival and concert series scene. Um, and a, a very changing corporate work. And, you know, I, I, and I suppose a, a changing wedding uh, market, you know, a lot more DJ work, you know, young, young workforces here that like different music. And so, you know, our scene in San Jose is one way. Again, the scene in San Francisco, there's a couple of very good creative bookers up there who create events that um, support live music uh, that are pretty cool. Uh, but like I said, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of flash to the presentation of the successful bands up there. Um, it's not just about being a great band and, and having a great high energy show. Oh, speaking of which, before we go today, yeah. I have to tell you, man, uh, I've, I had a one great and one horrible experience go to see music last week. Uh, on Tuesday night, I went and saw possibly the best live act I've seen, Trombone Shorty. Holy freaking cow. Really? I mean, I mean energy from downbeat to encore i mean awesome music great chops again no no flash of the dress kind of all based in kind of you know the meters but but more more edge to it norland's funk type stuff you know based around his trumpet playing and trombone playing he has a great voice too but the the show was absolutely fantastic they actually opened for saint paul and the broken bones uh, which was a very good band uh, and kudos to those guys. Cause shorty came out and just owned the stage. And then, you know, how do you follow that? St. Paul, and the broken bones put on a very solid, good show. The guy's voice is, is spectacular, but, but it's a different vibe from energy. And, and I wonder if it's more like a co-headlining tour where they might be trading off. That's possible. Oh but, yeah, um, sure. Yeah, yeah. But shorty was unbelievable. believable. We oh, had the awesome. best time. Yeah. That's and great. then, yeah, Wednesday night, uh, drove two hours in traffic to go <laughs> see Tom Petty, got to the venue. Uh, every All tickets we will call. 5.15, we pick up our tickets, get in line. 5.30, they put a sign on the door. He has laryngitis and they're canceling the show, postponing the show. Oh. So, so, you know. I don't know why that decision could have been made earlier in the day. There's got to be a story to it because yeah. it, it's a hell of a lot of people basically postponing oh. the show at the time the doors were supposed to open. Dude, don't say that because after I finish this show, I actually have one work meeting after I after we finish recording here. And then I'm driving with the family two hours to go see Green Day tonight. And and I really don't want to get all the way down to Great Woods and, and see that on the door. That uh. sucks, man. I'm sorry to hear that. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, it's rescheduled for tonight. So we're going oh, back. There you go. Okay. All right. Cool. So you're, you're doing the same thing as me. You're driving two yeah. hours to go see a show. That's cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You're driving two hours and probably what? A hundred miles. Yeah. I'm driving two hours and probably about 60 miles. Oh no, no, this. Yeah. It's yeah. It is about a hundred miles. It, the problem is it could easily be a three hour ride. I, it uh. has been because it's, you know, you got it. I, this place is on the other side of Boston for me. And Boston traffic is just awful. Yeah, so, there's no way around it. Well, you can go around and we will, but we're not going that far around. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not going to New York State and coming back. So, right. um, yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, I hope we both make it uh, on time, and I hope the performers hit the stage. Me that's too. the goal, man. Because, you know, that's sort of the thing that we talk about here is always be performing, and that goes for the pros, too. Thanks for listening, folks. Good one, Dave. Yeah, good one, man. Feedback at giggabpodcast.com. Tell us what your scene is like. We'd love to hear from you. 